Back to more John Chuckery. No, 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 I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Halfway home on the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out in the Kia Studios with you on this Tuesday evening. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond Text Line to be a part of the show. Odyssey apps, I catch us when you're on the go. Social media is at 9 on the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I am at JMCH316. He is at underscore Dylan Matthews. Hey, Chuck, real yes, quick. Sir. I have a uh, – you were talking about the whole Deshaun Watson thing and the uh-huh. ladies coming to the game. You know, my favorite artist is Drake, and I and I have a perfect – D-Rizzy? Uh, yeah, D-Rizzy. Okay. I have a perfect D-Rizzy uh, lyric off okay. of his uh, new album he dropped with 21 Savage okay. to explain what uh, – What's so happening this here is on D. Sunday? Rizzy and Twenty One Paces in their new song. <laughs> yes, this yes. collab that they did. Uh huh. Okay. Ain't really Lee, but I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Okay. Ain't really I'm Lee, back. but I'm back. Well, yeah. he said, "Ain't really leave, but I'm what back." What about I'm what back. about Slim Shady? I'm back, back again. <laughs> yeah, that Guess works who's too. Back, back again. Tell a friend. Uh-huh. You jabroni. Anyway. <laughs> We'll get to that's life coming up in about 20 minutes uh, from right now. Uh, don't forget, coming up after the show, uh, all week long, we've got Atlanta soccer tonight. Am I saying that right? Jess Sharman, Jason Longshore. Obviously, they're going to spend a lot of time recapping USA and Iran. Um, so, obviously, you know, get you through all of that. Get you ready for other action. Of course, now in the round of 16 for the USA. So, Jess Sharman and Jason Longshore, they, will, uh, they do an hour, right? They go from 11 to 12, I believe. So, uh, check them out after we are finished uh, up. So, And they'll be on after Hawks coming up tomorrow as well. Speaking of the Hawks, three-game losing streak now. They're in Orlando tomorrow to take on the woeful Orlando Magic. All right, few things about this. So we talked about last week when we were on at this Bat Time, Bat Channel, that starting with the Sacramento Queens the night before Thanksgiving, that Wednesday. I was at that game, by the way. Can I tell you, honestly, Dylan, I took my daughter to her first Hawks game. It's a whole birthday week for her last week, so we're doing birthday stuff and all that. Can I tell you, I don't think I've ever eaten that much food in my entire life. I saw that pick on the you, – you were in the good suites with the all-you-can-eat yes, food. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they you. had They had beef tenderloin. They also had a lot of – Thanksgiving themed food. Ooh. So they had ham. They had a really good sage stuffing that was really good. They had a sweet potato salad. Um, they had a lot of stuff and it was really good. But that beef tenderloin, when I tell you, I didn't eat a whole tenderloin myself, but I came <laughs> awfully darn close. Awfully darn close, I can tell you. Man, that was some good eating up there. So thanks uh, to the Hawks for all the hospitality. That was a lot of fun. But the last three games, Hawks have blown leads of 16, 11, and 16. Blew a 16-point lead last night. Did you you read the quote from Joel Embiid about the lob play that he picked off, that Trey went for the lob at the end of that game and he picked off that lob? He said he knew it was coming. He said, I let Trey come in. And feel like he had that lob play available, and he picked it out of the that air, and that was one of the final plays of the game, whatever like that. But here's the thing. We talked about over this 19-game stretch starting with last Wednesday to the end of the calendar year. 19 games, 
the vast majority of teams you're going to play are below 500 teams. Look, even with that win, the Heat's only 10 and 11. Charlotte's 6 and 15. Orlando's 5 and 16. Pistons are 5 and 17. You're going to see them as well. A lot of very mediocre basketball teams that you're going to see. And you had to make some hay. Because at the time, the Hawks, I believe, were 10 and 7 at that point. And if you could go 13 and 6, you'd be 10 games over 500 going into the new year. Not quite at the halfway point, but you're headed real quickly. You know, you're going to be 30 some odd games into, you know, high 30s at that point. So you're a few games away, probably about a hand's worth of games before you're halfway through the season. But they've got to get some things figured out. You know, one is Trey looks passive at times out there. You know, and I know he's trying to learn and adjust to not being as ball dominant and things like that. And obviously, we've talked before on the show about his shooting at times, that it's left some things to be desired. But, you know, over the last handful of games, he has started to figure some things out. But he does look a little bit tentative at times. Can I say, and I'm going to keep pounding this drum, okay? Can I say, for the love of God, if John Collins will just stop shooting threes for a while, you know, these last four games that they're one and three with in this 19-game stretch, these last four games, you know he's two for 19 from three. And here's the what the problem is. He's only shot 14 free throws. He's nine for 14 from the free throw line. That's not bad, right? Problem is when you shoot 19 threes and you only shoot 14 free throws and you're my 6'10 power forward. And I know people are going to say, well, he's a stretch. I don't care what he stretches. I got something I'm going to stretch if I keep watching him shoot threes. He's shooting like 22% from the year. Well, that's what his game is. No, your game is you better learn how to adapt and get down because you have no inside presence. Because with all due respect to Clint Capella, his role that he's playing well this year is just cleaning up garbage. Cleaning up garbage, a lob here and this, that, and the other. DeAndre Hunter's done a nice job of getting to the basket at times. You see when Hunter's not hitting the outside shot, he's getting to the basket. I don't even care if John Collins takes like 14, 15 footers. That's not the 22 foot from three. You want to take some mid-range? Fine. That, that night I was at the Sacramento game. He starts out 0 for 3 from three. Okay? How does he score his first point? Drive to the basket, got fouled on the play, made it, and made a three-point play the old way. That was the only free throw he took that night. So they've got a bunch of things to work on. Statistically, they are better year over year defensively in field goal percentages and things like that. A lot of that is DeJounte Murray. A lot of that is how good DeJounte Murray has been for this team. But when you talk about the NBA, you can't talk about an 82-game stretch. You have to talk about it the way the NFL talks about in quarters, the way Major League Baseball talks about series. Right? Remember, we're the show that told you the exact date that the Braves would start their run to flip in the division, right? We said, here's the stretch, this and the other, this is what you got to look at. What are you doing this? This is the time for the Hawks to rack up some wins and get themselves well above 500. Because right now they're sitting in the number eight seed right now. And I know we're only basically a fourth of the way through the season. But if you don't make up some hay now, We've talked about starting January 1st, you're in Golden State, 
at L.A., at the Clippers. You know, you start that West Coast. And now it starts to get, like, in these funky stretches. And so you have a 19-game window where you can look at and try to make some hay against some of these teams. Yeah, look, they're going to mix in Denver, and they're going to mix in, um, I believe, Memphis is one of the teams as well. But you're going to mix in the Bulls, who are below 500. you You're going to go to Madison Square Garden again. They're below 500. Charlotte's way below 500. Orlando's below 500. The Pistons are below 500. Even the Heat, who you lost to the night, they're still below 500. There are play, you know, Indiana right now. Indiana's been pretty good. They're 12 and 8 right now. But still, anybody fearing Indiana? I mean, they, this is that stretch where they've got to find a way to make some hay against some of these teams. Now, look, I expect they're going to go down to Orlando and win that game tomorrow night. They lose to, I mean, you already lost to Houston, okay? So the Rockets are dead last in the NBA. The Rockets, well, I take that back. The Pistons are 5-17. and 17, The Rockets are 5-15. and 15. The, the, On December 30th, they're going to play the Cavs, or the Cavs. They're going to play the Lakers. Lakers are 7-12 and 12 right now. They're going to play Oklahoma City. They're 8-13. and 13. You have to think about this league in stretches of games. Look at a little block of games and say, okay, here's where we got to make some hay. I know they only think about one game at a time and this, that, and the other. But you look at the schedule and say, okay, this needs to be the time that we take advantage of these things. And right now, Trey Young looks like he's passive. Looks like they're still trying to figure out how to use him, how he plays more off ball. And I get it. There's going to be some growing pains with all of that. But there are some things that when you're not making any threes and you're six foot ten, get your ass to the basket. Get yourself to the basket. Get yourself closer in. You know, I've seen DeAndre Hunter do it. I need to see my other forward do it. Even Trey Young, if he's getting off court, drive to the basket. They've got to be, they've got to figure some of this stuff out. They've got to get themselves in a better, you know, I think the stat I saw Conti, they're 27th in the NBA in fourth quarter scoring. Their second halves have been all over the board this year. I brought this up earlier in the year when they when the, in the first handful of games. They were they had lost like four of their first five third quarters of the season. Come out at halftime and you're losing the third quarter. You know, those are things that make the difference between the good NBA teams and the teams that kind of fledgle around. You know, like the team that finished 10th in the in the East last year. Who was that team, Dylan? The Hawks. Oh. And and I'm telling you, the more you read the the trade for Herder and all this and the other, Tony Ressler doesn't want to get in the luxury tax. It's not coincidence that Herder got traded in the first year that his new deal kicked in. He'd have put them in the – do you know how close they are to the luxury tax right now? They're like a the, – 2 million. One right. point, they're 1.8 million away from the luxury tax. They're right there. Right. So if you had Herder, who's getting 14 or 14 and a half this year, he, you'd be in the luxury tax. They don't want to – because once you start that cycle, it's hard to get out of it. Because you got two more years of Capella, you have Bogey's got a player option next year. You know Trey Young's salary goes to forty million next year. Yeesh. So they don't they don't want to get in the luxury tax right now, and that's why you're hearing John Collins rumors. 
I'm telling you, I think if they can get Bogey healthy, they're going to trade Bogey. Because he's got a player option for like $15 million next year. You think they want to pick up – You want they, they want him to pick up his $15 million player option? That would be new. Especially how beat up and banged up he is. So they'll look to move him. Now you've got and, – and look, Hunter's deal starts next year, right? He's in the $19 million range. Collins is in the twenty five. They're a cat whisker away from being a luxury tax team. And that's and Tony Wrestler said, we will go into the luxury tax if it makes sense. Okay? That's why this year's so important. You're eleven and ten right now in the eighth seed. That's not a reason to go in the luxury tax right now. That's why they got to get some things figured out. They need trade to play better. They need they need John Collins to be smarter offensively. And they have to keep their defensive pressure up. That's life when we get back. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 929 The Game, Odyssey.com app. Attention, adoring fans. Back to more John Chuckery. Hey, folks, how you doing? Sports Radio, 929 The Game. Sports Radio, 929 The Game. Back with you on the John Chuckery Show. 921 live in the Kia Studios. You know what time it is. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. 404-741-0929. That's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey apps how you catch on the go. Social media at 910 the game at JMCH316 at underscore Dylan Matthews. Hey, the BetQL app uses proven data and analytics to help you make smarter bets. Losing money's no fun, but winning is. Get started today. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com. We'll get to our top ten here in just a few minutes. Um, A man, Dylan, in, where was this at? A British man in a French lake. Oh, it doesn't say what the name of the lake is. But he caught a, you ready? 67-pound goldfish. Wow. They call it the carrot. Um, that goldfish? They call that kind of goldfish the carrot? That was the nickname of the of – oh. like that's what they were calling it, the carrot. It's clever. Because this thing is monstrous. Yeah. Like when you see the picture of it. I can't imagine. Like um, how does a goldfish even get that big? I, that's, what they, that's what they were asking. Um, the largest goldfish caught before this was in Minnesota – that weighed in at 30 pounds and Goodness. was thought to be 100 years old. Oh, my God. They they say that this fish is probably somewhere around 20 years old. Um, And they say goldfish are not true goldfish. The one that Hackett caught, this guy that caught this fish, is a hybrid of leather and koi, oh, which are two separate okay. species of carp. But it's a pure, when you see the picture of it, it's orange as could be. Yeah. It's, it's orange like a goldfish. Right. He said, quote, I always knew the carrot was in there, but never thought I would catch it. I knew it was a big fish when it took my bait and went off side to side and up and down with it, then came to the surface 30 or 40 yards out, and I saw that it was orange. Mm. 42 years old, Hackett caught the monster fish. Wow. Um, they say it's a fish that everybody's been chasing in this particular lake, but Never got their hands on 67-pound catfish. What do you do with that I, when you catch it? I, you have to put it like in a – if you want to display it like a swimming pool, right? Yeah, I guess. I mean, crazy. 
All right, listen to this one. A 2003-2004 exquisite collection uh, trading card from Upper Deck. This is a rookie parallel. It's a LeBron James rookie. It's got a piece of a Cleveland Cavaliers jersey, and it's got his autograph on here. It grades out in an eight and a half. Matthew Berger in 2004 bought the card for $5,000. Said he had to borrow a credit card to make the deal. In 2016, he sold the card on eBay for $40,000. It's a good return, huh? Oh, yeah. Okay. But the buyer didn't pay. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. He took the listing off. Just took it off of eBay. Yeah. He sold the card last week. Uh-huh. $885,000. Look at God. Bought it for five grand. Sold it for eight eighty-five. dollars Safe to say that a credit card is paid off. Whew. Goodness. Safe, safe to say that his house, his credit right. card, <laughs> his ex-wife, I mean, everybody's paid off at this point. <laughs> that's, a, that's crazy. How about that? God, listen, God bless, man. That's the man. way the trading card market is, man. It's you just never know, man, when you got something that's going to be just red hot uh, as could be. So. Goodness. All right, a couple of birthdays here. Happy birthday to Russell Wilson. Uh, you know it's Chadwick Boseman's birthday today. Have you seen Black Panther yet? <laughs> I got it. I still haven't seen the new. One. We were supposed to see it. Okay. On Thanksgiving, I'm a little upset because. I agreed with my girlfriend that we were going to wait to see it when we went to her family's house Tuesday and Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Right. And I agreed we were going to see it at sometime in that window frame. Well, we didn't end up going to see it then, so now we're trying to figure out when we're going to go see it. Okay. So, I'm so you haven't seen Black Pan, her Wonka bars forever. <laughs> no, I haven't. Um, <laughs> it's Mariana, Rever- Mariana Rivera's birthday today. John- Don Cheadle, one of the more underrated actors. And Jerry Lawler's birthday. Did I give you his phone number? You know I have no. his phone number. Really? Yes. I don't and I even got it know from I got is. I got his phone number. Wait, wait, say that again. Who's Jerry Lawler? Jerry the King Lawler? I don't know. Who's what is he the king of? I Not have Wakanda. his I have his phone number in my I'm gonna have to give that to you because okay. we need to get him on the show. Gotcha. Uh, I got it from a former employee here that, that oh, nice. talks with him. Okay. So he gave me his phone number. So say, um, say that again. Who 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 is Jerry Lawler? Jerry the King Lawler. Who is Jerry the King Lawler? Okay. Do you people see what I go through <laughs> on a nightly basis? Who is he? What is he the king of? Wakanda. No, he's not. I just said he's not the king of Wakanda. That's Shuri. She is the king of Wakanda. The Won- they get Wonka bars forever there now, right? <laughs> anyway, um, look up Jerry the King Lawler when we get to break. All right. So anyway, um, sad news. The other day we lost Irene Cara, who if you if you like me grew up in the 1980s, she was like the queen of the movie songs, right? Have you ever heard of Fame? The, have you ever heard of the movie or the TV show Fame? Fame? I yes. don't think so. Okay. Fame was a huge hit. <laughs> okay. How about have you ever heard of the movie Flashdance from the 1980s? I have it sounds vaguely familiar. How vague? Like, I feel like I may have heard of it. Okay. So she did the song, What a Feeling, Flash Dance, What a Feeling. That was, I think, nominated for an Oscar, actually. Oh. So she was, yeah. like, she was a, a uh, musical artist, actress, um, but she was the queen of 
movie song sound, like yeah. movie sound, like she had all the 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 top. Just like right. Kenny Loggins, you ever heard of Kenny Loggins? Yeah, he we did, play. I'm all right. He did Footloose. Exactly. Yep. Footloose. Also, stuff for Top Gun. Okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, he did the the, the song um, High, Danger Zone for Top oh, Gun, and he did playing okay. with the boys and other stuff. Yeah. But he was the guy who I'm all right is from Caddyshack. That's uh, that what we played yeah. for What's Bucket. That's yeah. so he was the king of movie song soundtracks and gotcha. stuff like that. She was the queen of all of that. So gotcha. With that. Tonight's top ten list, and and I made this hard for Dylan on purpose. Yeah, this is a little tough. Yes. but I got I got my list. Can together. I tell you, I have probably forty songs that I had to pick from because oh my gosh, I, I, yeah, I've got so many top ten songs that were featured in a movie. Dylan, the floor is yours. All right, we're gonna start. I'm gonna start at the bottom and work my way up here. So I'm gonna start at number ten. I'm gonna actually go "Happy" by Pharrell. It was in uh, it was in Despicable Me too, you know. So, uh, it, but it was a nice song. That song is actually sort of near and dear to my heart because that was the song we played after our graduation, high school graduation ceremony ended. We played that song, Happy. So, you okay, know, I'm gonna go with Happy because so it was that featured. was what year? That was in 2014. That's when you graduated high school. Yes. Oh my God! I graduated high school in 2014. What year do you think I graduated high school? Uh, um, uh, 1978. No, I was born in 71. Oh, okay. So 19. Oh, math. Uh, 1989. Close. Add one more. 1990. So I was I I had graduated high school in 19. By the time 2014 had rolled around. I was not married yeah. and had a six-year-old daughter by the time you... time I graduated high school. <sighs> yep. And I know now why you don't know who Jerry the King Lawler is. So. And look, we now we work together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lucky me. <laughs> All right. So next I'm going to go with um, Wiz Khalifa and Charlie Puth, See You Again. That was in, I think it was Fast. I don't know which movie it was. It was one of those Fast and Furious My movies. daughter hates that Charlie Puth. Really? Yeah, he's a moron. He he's on TikTok and he gets real creative on TikTok. It was Fast and Furious Seven, so it but that was a good one because that's the one where they honored Seven. I know, Jeez. but that's the one where they honored um, Paul Walker, I believe, because that's the one he like passed I, in, away in. In sixty years, there's only been twenty five James Bond movies. In sixty years, yeah, and they they've put out like a dozen, you know, Fast <laughs> Furious. Hunger Games Index. They've put out like 20 of those in like the last 10 years. Yeah, they're rolling them right out. Um, so that's number nine. And number eight, I'm going to have to go with, and I first heard this song not from the original movie it was in, but I heard this song um, in Spider-Man 2, actually. Raindrops keep falling on my head. Yeah, from Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Uh-huh, that's by the B- great B.J. Thomas. That's by B.J. Thomas. Yes. That's right. But I didn't hear it in... Um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I heard it from Spider-Man, too. What other songs by B.J. Thomas can you name? Uh, none. Zero. Zilch. Nada. How about this one? Hey, Won't You Play Another Somebody Done Somebody Wrong Song? That was the number one song. How about You Got Raindrops Falling mm-hmm. On My Head? How about um, Hooked On A Feeling? He was the first oh, guy to do okay. that. So There you go. Make Ever heard of any of those? Nah, not really. Okay. Yeah. But figured. Is that Hey? No. Hey. That, 
Or won't you play oh, no. another somebody I, done I was thinking about the wrong I was song. thinking about the Arthur no, 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 uh, no, theme no, song. No, it, no, it's it's no, different. No, just, just, yeah. At number seven, how about uh, Skyfall by Adele? Oh, okay. I like good that call. song. Good Skyfall. Call. Good that, was call. A, that was a good one. Um, Footloose by Kenny Loggins has to be in there. Uh, I put him in at number six. Have you ever seen the movie or heard the song? I have heard the song, have not seen the movie. Yeah. Um, not well, the remake, by the way. They remade it. Nah, like yeah. Several years ago. I'm talking about the original. I've Kevin heard the Bacon, OG version. Yeah, the Kevin Bacon movie. There you go. So at number five, I'm gonna have. I mean, you got to have Ghostbusters in there, right? Yes. Got to have the OG okay. Ghostbusters by okay. Ray Parker Jr. Okay. All right. Yeah. You ever heard? Of, have you ever listened to the song Ghostbusters? I have. Okay. Have you ever watched the movie Ghostbusters? I have. I've not seen it yeah. from beginning to end, but I have seen bits and pieces of the OG Ghostbusters. So. Do you know about the famous lawsuit with the Ghostbusters song? Now that I do not. Okay. Huey Lewis. You ever heard of Huey Lewis? Yes. Huey Lewis in the news? Sort of. Yeah. Okay. He sued Ray Parker because he said Ghostbusters was a sped up version of I Want a New Drug. Oh. And he won. And Ray Parker had to pay him a settlement that is still an NDA. They, They had an NDA. It, it took like 30 years for that story to finally get out. Wow. But, yes, Ray Parker Jr. lost a lawsuit to Huey Lewis because Huey Lewis said Ghostbusters, the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. He said that was a sped-up version of I Want a New Drug. How much money do you think he had to pay him? Millions. Oh, yeah. Because Ghostbusters was a massive, it was a massive number one hit. That that song was up for an Oscar for, for best original song. Yeah. He... I, it, it lost to... It lost to Stevie Wonder, I Just Called to Say I Love You, I Believe. Mm-hmm. Dang. You ever heard of that song? Uh, no, but I did. When, when I was doing no, when I was doing my research, I saw that, that song pop up, but yes. I didn't know that one, yeah. so I didn't, I didn't put it on my list because I didn't know it. Um, a song I do know I'm very familiar with and like a lot, especially when it first came out, All the Stars, that was on the first Black Panther soundtrack with Kendrick Lamar and SZA. All the stars are glowing. Is that the one that, that plays All at the, the end stars credits? Are glow- yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a good song. I like mm-hmm. that. That plays at the end credits. So that was in the first Black Panther movie. Yes, it was. Okay. <laughs> um, number three. That was before everybody got Wonka bars. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Before everybody got what do you, Wonka bars? Is yes. that what you're calling them? Yes. Okay. That's why, you know, do you know? Will, you're talking about Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. There you go. Yeah, okay. see, okay. I know a little something, something. Okay. Yeah, every now and again. All right, thank God you bounce back. Every now and again, I won't disappoint yeah, you. Yeah, because I'd have really more, hated you. More times than not, I'm going to disappoint True. you, but sometimes I don't. I, I've learned this. <laughs> Shallow by Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper That's in on A my, Star is Born. That is on my... Um, Great song. That is not on my list, but my, um, what do you call it? Honorable um, mentions? Yes, my honorable mention. Love. I love that song. I love that song. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. You probably think that that movie, A Star is Born, yeah. is the original movie, don't you? I, I did, but okay. obviously it's, I know it's not now. Yeah. <laughs> How many times do you think that movie's been made? Oh, I mean, I thought it was once, but now I'm guessing probably maybe, what, four times? It, this, that's, that's the third time that movie was made. Wow, the first really? One is with, the first one was with Judy Garland, who's Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. Right. Bang. Judy Garland did the first Star is Born. The next star is born because that song is on my list is Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson That's from the 1970s. And then the one with um, Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. I legit thought that was an original movie. No, it's the third time it's been made. Wow. I don't know. It's just my whole world has been turned upside down mm-hmm. now. 
Um, number two. Can you imagine you and I going to trivia oh, man. and playing trivia? Are we actually, you know what? I feel like we will be a good trivia team because no, we both I'd know be a good s- trivia team. Okay, but I no, could. No, 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 I no, would no. pitch in like if they had some young people questions. I right. could pitch in. I'd, I'll let you order the nachos <laughs> and I'll play the trivia. <laughs> I feel like we make a good team. We we because we we both know a lot of different things. So there oh you yeah, go. we know a lot of different <laughs> things. All right. So anyway, number two, lose yourself. Eminem, yes. obviously from Eight Mile, yep. and you know it was mm-hmm. Eminem's hit song yep. that put him on the map. And number one, Eye of the Tiger, which is not originally from you know like Rocky or anything like that. It's from like the movie Eye of the Tiger, right? Wasn't that a movie in like 1982? No. Or is that when the song came out? All right, I'm, I, obviously I don't, I don't, I don't oh know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop now, and I'm just gonna go ahead and restart. Who sang "Eye of the Tiger"? Um, I have no idea, to be honest with you. I have no idea. "Eye of the Tiger," bam, bam, bam. I just that's love on that song. my list, by the way. "Eye of the Tiger," because when that song came out in uh-huh. Rocky Three, Survivors, the group that sings it. Oh, that's right, Survivor. That was. I, I've got two of the. Well, let me get to my honorable mentions. Yes, the Beatles' "Hard Day's Night," one of my favorite Beatles songs of all time. I Die Without You, PM Dawn on the Boomerang soundtrack. Mm. Boomerang soundtrack, one of the most underrated soundtracks of all time. Are you familiar with the Boomerang movie? I know Boomerang the channel that shows all the old cartoons. Yeah, but actually they're all going away over here. That sucks. Yeah. I love Boomerang. Um, Also, I have Nothing from the Bodyguard soundtrack, Hungry Eyes from Dirty Dancing, The Emperor's March from Star Wars. Oh, yeah. We have that in here. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, I had Shallow as one of my honorable mentions as well. Here's my top ten real quick. I the Tigers on my list. Evergreen. That's Barbara Streisand, the song that she sings, written by Paul Williams. Are you familiar with Paul Williams? No. He's also part of the movie of one of my other songs, Evergreen. Uh, the James Bond theme, the original Monty Norman James Bond theme. Dun 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 dun. Um, Hopelessly Devoted to You, Olivia Newton-John in Greece. Okay. I've got two, because this is my favorite soundtrack of all time. Staying Alive and Night Fever from ah. the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. Ghostbusters is on my list as well. Purple Rain is on my mm. list as well. Gonna Fly Now from the original Rocky movie, Bill Conti. Not Mike Conti, Bill Conti. <laughs> Are they related? No. <laughs> and he's been asked that a million times. <laughs> Gonna Fly Now. And then... I love this song. I still crank it up this day. I mentioned Paul Williams. Yes. He plays Little Enos in Smokey and the Little Bandit. Little what? He plays Little Enos. He had Big Enos and Little Enos in Smokey and the Bandit. Eastbound and Down by Jerry Reed, baby. I almost thought I had to hit the dump button for you a second You familiar with there. Eastbound and Down? I know East Bay, the clothing brand. You know, Smokey and the Bandit was filmed here. I know Smokey and the Bear. Only you can prevent wildfires. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I know, I know. I'm just kidding. I, I've heard of Smokey and the Bandit. Yes, it was. I mean, it's great movie, classic movie. Jerry I thought it was Reed a does. band, though. I'm going to be completely honest with yeah, you. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> uh, it was filmed out in Conyers, by and large, right? Out, out 20, going out that direction and everything. Mm-hmm. Anyway. All right. Hit us up with your list as well. Tori McElhaney joins us next. Sports Radio, Nets of the Game, Odyssey.com. If there's nothing shaken, come this here to lie. I'm going to roll myself up. In a big ball and die. My, my. Back to more.
party's gonna rock. Make some Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. It is the John Chuckery Show coming to you live on this Tuesday evening as we get ready for Falcons and Steelers coming up this weekend. So as we don't have a show tomorrow night, we head out to the waitforward.com hotline. Normally we talk to her on Wednesdays, but again, with no show tomorrow, we will talk to her tonight. Tori McElhaney is joining us. She, of course, covers the Atlanta Falcons for atlantafalcons.com. You can follow her on her personal Twitter page at Tori underscore McElhaney, Tori, as always, appreciate a few minutes, a day early. But, uh, you know, that was a tough one on Sunday. I knew it was going to be physical, but, you know, I thought the Falcons played well, but just, you know, kind of did not come out the way we had hoped. Yeah, I, I, I go back to that final drive and to feel like that final drive was one that the Falcons, I thought, really got things going for what felt like the first time offensively in the second half to have it end on a tipped ball in the end zone. I mean, that. Guys kept saying it was unfortunate, it was unfortunate. That was the word that kept coming up after the game. And, I mean, that's kind of – that's all you can say about that, honestly. You know, this is my problem with the call um, because I I would have much, much preferred to run the football down there. I just feel like, you know, obviously this offense and especially the right side of their offensive line, the best thing that they do is run block and move forward. And it feels like anything else that you do, I know the play was open, but anytime it's not run it toward the right-hand side of your offensive line, there's nothing better that this offense does than that. And it feels like anytime you call something else, you're getting away from what you do best. And down there, you needed what you do best, not roll the dice on you know some other type of play when they got that close. Yeah, I mean, I... I think a lot of people can go back and forth and say a lot of different things about the call. And I'm not going to be one of those people. I don't, that's not something that I do. They call what they call because they think that it's going to work. And I I think there's not a coach out there that would tell you otherwise. And, um, but it is one of those things where it is a little bit frustrating because you know how good the Falcons are at doing exactly what you're saying. And then to have a look that you think, you know, you can get something else in it. I mean, it is, I don't know. There's just not a lot that I feel like I can say to make anybody feel better about what happened. And then that's just kind of how I feel about it. You you like, I think Arthur Smith said after the game, you like the look, but you hate the outcome. And and that's kind of all you can really say about it, especially if you're not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, they should have called this or they should have called that. I'm not the play caller. I don't, I don't do that. And so, um, that's just kind of how I feel about it. Tori McElhaney from com joining us here on the com hotline. Let's talk about one guy in particular, and that's Chris Lindstrom. And I am probably the president of the Chris Lindstrom fan club, have been since he's been drafted. Um, you know, you start diving into his metrics, Tori, and I don't know how much you get excited about metrics and analytics and things like that, but – He's now, he's now the second-highest-graded offensive lineman in the entirety of the NFL. He's certainly the highest-graded interior offensive lineman, um, but he's the second-highest-graded overall. He's having not a good season, an outstanding season. And it yeah. feels like for all the things we talk about, available cap space and things like that next year, one of the things that I would think would have to be number one priority 
is go ahead and get Lindstrom locked up to his long-term deal and don't mess around and don't monkey around with it. Just get it done and make sure he is signed for the long term. I couldn't agree more. I, I mean, you have to reward that guy with what he deserves. And the last, and I would say even, you know, we, we see what he's doing this season and how spectacular it's been of a season for him and how consistent he has been. But even going back to last year, I was so pleased with what you saw from Chris Lindstrom last year. I mean, even with the issues that the Falcons offensive line had last year, I believe he was Chris Lindstrom was the only guard in the NFL that didn't allow a single sack. Like, and this was last year when Falcons were having the issues they were offensively and, and at that offensive line position. Now this year you have an offensive line that I think has, is playing night and day from what they were this time last year. And a big part of that is not just Chris Lindstrom continuing to do what he, he's doing, but I think Chris Lindstrom is thriving as much as he is because Caleb McGarry, I think, has taken such a significant step in what he's been able to do at that tackle spot. And then you have Jake Matthews, who's as consistent as anyone on the left side. And then, I mean, even with all of the issues that you've had at left guard and essentially having to rotate that position so significantly over the last five weeks, the fact that the core of your offensive line has played to the clip that they've been able to and kind of taken it upon themselves to anchor this run game in a way that I don't know that we've seen in Atlanta in a very, very long time. I mean, that speaks volumes to these people to these five men whoever it is every time that's going out there but Chris Lindstrom in that he is I believe the core of that and you love watching him play because you see it on every single snap how good he is how how important he is to this Falcons offense and where they want to grow it Tori when we talk about the playoff picture are we about at the point where this is division or bust for the Falcons because I keep looking at the playoff scenarios and you start to get into as the schedule gets down, even though the Falcons aren't many games out, when you start having to talk about jumping multiple teams versus just one team in the division, it feels like we're kind of at a point where the real only pathway for the playoffs is really through winning the division. Yeah, it is. And I mean, especially when you look at, you know, when you look at the league as a whole, that that kind of it makes it even more poignant that you win your division. That is the easiest way to get into the playoffs is to win your division. And I, it's so crazy looking at this NFC South right now and the different ways that it could shake out over the last six, seven weeks or six, seven weeks of this season. I. I mean, it's wild to me because after the game on Sunday, you, you're thinking, okay, well, the Falcons are probably they're probably out of this thing. And then Tampa Bay loses, and and there isn't really any big shift. And you're just like, well, they're still in it. And it's, it is really, really crazy. And I, I do think that there's a potential that this comes down all the way to the very last week of the regular season when Tampa Bay comes to Atlanta. That game – could be absolutely massive in terms of what it does to the final rankings in the NFC South. I mean, it's going to be these next few weeks after the Falcons' bye week, especially if they can get a win against the Steelers, is going to be very, very interesting. 
Tori McElhaney from AtlantaFalcons.com joins me here on the WaitFord.com hotline. It's our weekly conversation with her, normally on Wednesday, but with no show tomorrow night. We're grabbing her a day early as we get ready for Falcons and Steelers coming up this Sunday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So you and I have dove into this a lot, but I'm really, my personal opinion, I'm really starting to feel like, you know, this team can accumulate sacks against quarterbacks who are good about giving up sacks the Justin Fields, the Joe Burrows of the world, but they're just not getting home consistently enough. And I know we're not a big blitz team. I mean, the metrics tell you we're one of the lower blitzing teams in all of the NFL. But And I know Coach Pease will speak on this on Thursday, but I, I'm, I get concerned because we just don't get after the court. Unless it's a quarterback who is taking sacks just in general, we don't seem to put enough pressure on the quarterback still at this point. Yeah, I think my thing, though, is is I'm not overly concerned about it because I don't think it's not that they're not. I think sack numbers versus pressures are completely are completely different conversation. I think that they are applying pressure, especially when you were talking about having before Taquan Graham was placed on IR. I thought he did a really good job of shrinking the pocket for quarterbacks and and kind of causing some errant throws because quarterbacks aren't setting their feet and, and or they're kind of forcing something that's not necessarily there. And I'll say that I think that those don't show up on the stat sheet. And I think that is where it kind of gets misconstrued that even if there's, you know, the sack numbers aren't there, everybody's looking at the sack numbers and it's like that. But that doesn't, to me, tell the entire story of what a defensive front is able to do. Now, all of that to say, yes, you would like the sack numbers to increase. But I think it's interesting because I, even in saying that, I think that you have seen progress with this defensive line. I've, I've been very, very pleased with the progress of Arnold Ebiketti and what he has been able to do over the course of the last two games especially. I know he went out and didn't come back in last Sunday, and you kind of hope to see that he – maybe is limited in practice this week and can get back out there before uh, the Steelers game, but if not having the bye week and, and resting. But even if he's not sacking the quarterback, what he is doing coming off the edge is impacting the game. And I think I don't want people to get like super, super bogged down and, oh, the, the sack numbers aren't there when there is the, there is pressure applied that doesn't show up technically on the stat sheet. And, and so I, I think that can kind of get a little convoluted and overlooked. But it's still really, really important because you do think about how young this defensive front is and what they are having to do piecing together with guys who were free agents and and their young signees and guys who were bubble players that are playing alongside Grady Jarrett plus two rookie outside linebackers. I mean, these are these are some young young guys, some inexperienced up front that kind of I think makes it makes me not overly concerned about those sack numbers. Tori, your colleague Scott Bear had tweeted out the idea that Elijah Wilkinson could potentially be back at practice this week. And obviously left guard's been, you know, with, with Wilkinson out, it's been, you know, obviously a, you know, it's just kind of a, a merry-go-round of guys that are starting out there. But, you know, we, we kind of talked about Jalen Mayfield, and we're getting to the point where I believe next week is where – it's do or die time. Either they're going to have to put him on IR yeah. for the rest of the year, or they're going to have to activate him to the roster. Is that going to be influenced by if Elijah Wilkinson can come back? I mean, where do you think we kind of stand with 
where we're at with our left guard situation. Yeah, I definitely think that it will stem really and truly by where Elijah Wilkinson is. If, I, if Elijah Wilkinson is as close to 100% as he can get, then I, I think that kind of changes what you feel like you can do with Jalen Mayfield. Now, if Elijah Wilkinson practices this week and re-injures something or, uh, you know, isn't full, full go, ready to go, then maybe you do kind of move forward with Jalen Mayfield. I mean, there hasn't been a lot said on – the progress that Jalen Mayfield is making in that injury recovery and how he's feeling and all of that. Something that he talked about in the locker room not too long ago was that he needed to get his conditioning up. And so it, when you're talking about conditioning as a lineman, that type of conditioning is very, very different than just going out and running around. Like it's very different. And I think getting him to, game level conditioning was something that was really going to be a process now I but even in saying that I think that if I'm making the decisions I would much rather see a 75 80 percent Elijah Wilkinson in there and what that means for Jalen Mayfield I think it's kind of up in the air because then you have to use a roster spot on him because he's coming off of IR and so there are a lot of moving parts, and it wouldn't surprise me if Elijah Wilkinson getting back to 100% kind of shifts the, the overall timeline for Jalen Mayfield. Last question, Tori, just uh, about 45 seconds left. Um, Ebba Katie, we talked about, you know, obviously limited in practice last week, got in the game, did play a little bit, but that forearm injury pulled him out of the game, and he did not come back. Expectations that he is – on track and I know we'll know tomorrow with practice more but certainly we just talked about you know the lack of pass rush can't afford to not have him on the football field right yeah it'll be really important to get to get him we talk about Elijah Wilkinson getting back to 100% getting Arnold Ebiketti back to 100% will also be gosh equally if not more important and I I think that they're really going to look at it this week you know he's limited last week and, and couldn't really go full go on Sunday with the Steelers in town and a bye week after that, it wouldn't be surprising to me if they kind of are a little bit more conservative with him this week and maybe even into Sunday. Uh, But we'll, I think we'll know more about what he can handle as the week of practice goes on, but it wouldn't surprise me if they're like, you know what, we're this close to the bye week. Let's get him fully, fully healthy for the, the final few games of this season at Tory underscore McElhaney on Twitter. You can find all of her work at AtlantaFalcons.com. And Tori joined me here on the WaitFor.com hotline. Tori, as always, appreciate it. Thanks for jumping on a day early. We will talk again next week. Absolutely. Looking forward to it.